This is the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Chris Schmedeke. It is Denver Broncos season, and we are previewing it all with beat reporter Chris Thomason. Stay tuned. All right, this is the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast Broncos preseason preview with Chris Thomason, who has never been on this podcast before. He joined us. Chris, when did you start at the Gazette? Was it uh, March? March 20th. March 20th. Um, so he is with us. He is covering the Broncos now. So, Chris, how are you doing? And are you, are you ready for this NFL season? Yeah, I'm ready to go. It kind of drags on a little bit more than it used to with only three preseason games versus four, because as you know, you got a 15 day gap now between the final preseason game and the first regular season game. But uh, we're finally getting really close. So we all know what a disaster last season was for the Broncos. You know, Nathaniel Hackett's fired after 15 games. Russ, they make the big trade for Russ. It kind of goes south pretty early on. Now it's Sean Payton's team. You know, you have been at training camp, Sean Payton. He runs a pretty tight ship. So with you being there every day, what have you seen from him? Well, what is he bringing to the Broncos now? Well, the first thing people say when you ask what does Sean Payton bring, especially those who have been with him before, like his uh, former New Orleans players, and there's been a bevy of those coming in and out for the Broncos, and they just basically say culture, and you ask them what culture is, and they talk about accountability for your job and, and that sort of thing. And uh, Vance Joseph also stated that when I asked him during training camp about Sean Payton's culture. I mean, he basically wants you to be a professional on time, et cetera, et cetera. And lots of people think those things were lacking last season under Nathaniel Hackett. Well, and there was a big story published today about his attention to detail. And you've written about that as well. That is something they were missing last year. And can you even see it in the practice, his attention to detail? And in the preseason games. He wasn't happy they lost the first week. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was very unhappy when they lost to Arizona on a last-second touchdown pass. And then the very next week, they lose their second preseason game to the 49ers on a last-second field goal. And he pretty much said after both of those games, I mean, I know it's only preseason, but I – come here to win. Yeah, I mean, he's extremely detailed. He's talked about this list of some 49 different game scenarios that might only come up once every four years, crazy oddball situations that they work on. And he wants his players to be prepared for every single possible oddball scenario that could occur in an NFL game. Well, and, and the preparation was what, you know, the Broncos were missing last season for sure. You know, you you were covering the Vikings, a team that loved to win close games. But uh, this team last year did not win close games, starting with week one. Do you really – do you think – and we'll get to predictions later, but do you really think Sean Payton may just add two to three wins to this team just by being an adult? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they went 5-12 and 12 last year, and as bad as Russell Wilson was, they probably were – better than a five-win team because the defense was generally decent. I know it collapsed on Christmas Day against the Rams. But, um, yeah, so you take a few. So they're 
you might say, how much is a coach worth plus or minus? And if Nathaniel Hackett was such a bad coach that he's worth minus two wins and Sean Payton's such a good coach that he's worth plus two wins, there you have four wins. Four plus five is nine, and that's why I picked him to go nine and eight this season. Yeah, that that's that seems to be a pretty uh, common pick for them. So, so you mentioned Russ Russell Wilson there. You know, I was talking about is this the bounce back? Is this the bounce? He's leaner. He he ran a lot in the that was the 49ers game. He ran a ton, right? A nice 17 yard run and kind of looked like the Russell Wilson of old. I mean, generally he was pretty solid in the preseason. Completed 10 of 19 passes and uh, the. Arizona game was very important from the standpoint that he didn't look too great in the first three drives. And then Sean Payton kept him in for a fourth series and boom, he took the team right down the field through a touchdown pass to Jerry Judy. That was good for his confidence and to shut the critics up for at least another week. And then he had one decent series against the 49ers where he ran the ball well, let him do a field goal. So, hey, let's shut the critics up for another three weeks. So we'll see what happens in the uh, opener against the Raiders and if you can shut them up for another week. So, you know, what have you seen of the Peyton-Wilson relationship? How, how do you see that working and what have you seen in camp? I think that he has great respect for Sean Payton. I mean, he's obviously won a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl. So I think, and I think, you know, Russell's smart enough to know that uh, I had a terrible season and I better uh, shape up or uh, my career is going to go off the rails. I mean, I think it was almost like Nathaniel Hackett was a substitute teacher last year and, ooh, we I can take advantage of it and, to do all these shortcuts he got his own office and all these various things and he saw it didn't work so I think he's uh certainly smart enough to realize that uh he needs to you know he's going to be 35 in November and uh even though he says he wants to play until he wants says he wants to play 20 seasons which sounds a little bit crazy but uh considering he's only in his 12th now but uh, if he even wants to make it to 15 he certainly has to uh improved drastically this year do you put any stock in that story that was floating around that Peyton could bench him I mean Peyton has the ego and the you know uh, he could do it but do you put any stock in that at all that he could bench him yeah well it's way too early to even talk about such things I mean if they start out one and four and he looks terrible I mean Sure, it could be a possibility. I mean, Sean Payton didn't bring Russell Wilson in, so you have that dynamic. I mean, he came in under George Payton primarily and with Nathaniel Hackett obviously on board as well. So he doesn't have that allegiance to him. And, uh, hey, and it's not Sean Payton's money. I mean, obviously, yeah. it would take a huge uh, salary cap hit. But I think if Wilson continue to play poorly. I mean, they have a lot of respect. The ownership does for Sean Payton. They brought him in. I mean, he obviously has the top word when it comes to personnel and all that kind of stuff. So I think they would listen to him, but I certainly don't think he's going to do anything rash unless they get off to a really bad start and Russell Wilson is looking really bad. So here's the big question for you is, is who is Russell Wilson actually going to throw to? Because 
you know, they lost Tim Patrick second, third day of camp, whatever that was. Now Jerry Judy's hurt. So it's kind of Sutton and everybody else. Two questions for you. You know, is that, I mean, is that going to hurt the offense to start out the injury at receiver? And when do you think Judy's on the field? Yeah, I mean, that's a big blow, losing Tim Patrick followed by Jerry Judy, especially when you look at the schedule. I mean, if Judy can't go against the Raiders in the opener, I mean, who knows if he's going to be back against Washington in week two. And you looked at the schedule, and those are two very winnable games. And with Judy out, it makes them much tougher. And then all of a sudden, you're in Miami in the humidity of Florida for week three. So, uh you certainly don't want to be starting staring at an 0-3 start, you know, and maybe not even 1-2. and two. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a big factor, but we'll just have to see how much Marvin Mims can grow up in a hurry. I mean, he had a great 50-yard catch against uh, the Rams in the preseason finale. He's a confident guy. He's been looking good in training camp. So I think he really needs to step up to fill the void A for – Tim Patrick, and then also potentially for Judy early in the season. But if Mims isn't ready to step up, yeah, it could get ugly from a receiving standpoint. And how much do you think Wilson will will rely on Greg Dulcich? Because he's kind of the one big play pass catching tight end on the roster who's not known for his blocking like the other guys. Yeah, we found that out, especially when uh, Sean Payton made him second team behind uh, Troutman for the first unofficial depth chart of training camp or of the preseason. Yeah, I think um, Greg Dolchich has can certainly take a major leap. And with the Broncos being weak at receiver, I mean, Peyton might have no choice but to play him maybe more than he would like to with the, bro- with the blocking deficiencies just because they'll need another receiving threat out there. All right, so let's flip to running back. And, you know, Javante Williams, kind of unbelievable recovery. He's he's ready to go. Uh, they have some Ajay Pirine and then um, McLaughlin as well, who could be a, used in very special sets in the offense. So how do you see that kind of playing out, especially between Williams and Pirine? Is it going to be 50-50, 60-40? Is it going to be wait and see with Javante's health? Well, if Javante was perfectly healthy, uh, you know, I would probably say something along the lines of, I don't know, 65, 35, 60, 40, something of that nature. Because regardless, it's Sean Payton's history to want to play two backs. But um, Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, when I asked him about it a few weeks ago, pretty much stated that, yeah, you know, we're not going to expect Javante Williams to have a full load immediately. He will as the season goes on. So I don't think they're going to throw him in there in the first regular season game, especially after he only has one preseason game under his belt. And it was three weeks earlier. I don't think they're going to hand it to him 20 carries or anything like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I don't know, maybe it's 55, 45 Javante, depending on his health early in the season, but they also have Jaleel McLaughlin. I think he can be a good, change of pace guy he's the type of guy that all of a sudden you can just slip in, into a game and before the foe even realizes he's in the game he's uh snaking up the middle for a 12-yard gain and that sort of thing so i think they'll the bread and butter will be williams and p ryan and then they'll pick their spots with mclaughlin mclaughlin's got to be like peyton's broncos darren sproles a little bit 
Yeah, just a change of uh, pace guy. And it's going to be interesting to see if they uh, let him return some kicks. I mean, Marvin Mims, I think, is pretty solid as the punt returner. But McLaughlin had a 44-yard kickoff return in the game against the 49ers. So I'd throw him back there and see what he can do from a kick return standpoint. Uh, uh, before we switch to defense, let's talk a little bit offensive line. Um, they spent a lot of money there. Uh, McGlinchey's healthy. There was a little bit of worry about that, so he'll be good. I guess my big question is, you know, people have talked about Garrett Bowles' struggles. Have you seen that? And are you worried about, you know, the left ta- the franchise left tackle? Well, he looked better. He didn't look very good in the preseason open against Arizona. And then I talked to him about it after the second preseason game, and he pretty much admitted, you know, now he's getting his feet wet, and it's his first game in, uh, I don't know, 10 months since he broke his leg. And he was better in the second preseason game. So uh, he was still working his way back. I mean, he may be paid like a franchise left tackle. I don't know if his play yeah. has warranted that description yet. I mean, they'll take above average play at this point at the left tackle spot. But with the if the entire line is better, which they hope it will be, that will certainly help the Broncos overall. You mentioned Mike McGlinchey. He was their big signing in uh, free agency, five-year, $87 million deal. And then they gave a whole bunch of money to Ben Powers at the left guard. So they're expecting the offensive line to be a lot better. I mean, Broncos quarterbacks were sacked in NFL high 63 times last year, 55 times was Wilson dumped. So, uh, you know, they need to try to get that number down at least 40 or something. So let's flip over to the defense, which has, you know, been the, been the bright, it was a bright spot last season for sure. Uh, Vance Joseph returns as a coordinator. My first question on the defense is what, what do you expect? What is Vance Joseph's scheme? Like what, what do you see from him with this defense? You know, it seems pretty similar than it was before. I mean, in recent years, I know Joseph hasn't been with here since 2018, but uh, obviously they're sticking with the three-four defense that they've mostly had in recent years. Uh, players have commented that it's uh, somewhat similar, and they got a lot of um, the same guys coming back. I mean, I asked George Payton before the draft when during free agency, I think they signed like nine outside offensive free agents and one on defense, that being Zach Allen, who was a heck of a signing. He looked really good in training camp in the preseason. So you had him, but mostly it's a lot of the same cast of characters. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens at outside linebacker. Can Randy Gregory finally stay healthy? How much does Frank Clark have left after he's turned to 30? I mean, he got released by... Kansas City, and it wasn't like suitors were lining up outside his door. I mean, he didn't get a huge contract. He got a fairly modest deal with the, with the Broncos, and he didn't even start the one preseason game he played. So that's going to be worth keeping an eye on what's happening uh, at outside linebacker. And you know the um, the front uh, the front three eh, is okay, but not great. But at least the secondary is pretty darn good. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you about, because the team's two best players are in the secondary, and Sutan and Justin Simmons. But how much pressure is on that other corner spot? Because teams are probably not going to throw at Sutan very often. Yeah, no, no, I, I would agree. I mean, 
both of the other spots opposite of Simmons and uh, and Sertan. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do at safety, where you've got the veteran Kareem Jackson, who was the starter last year, but you got Caden Stearns, who is emerging, and they listed them both as co-starters on the depth chart and they've been talking about oh we'll have lots of three safety configurations that sort of stuff but i'll believe it when i see it because a lot of the nfl teams i've covered i mean your two safeties often play every single snap during the game you don't see a lot of uh, safeties rotating unless maybe your safety is, is the nickelback versus being an extra cornerback so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with that second safety spot I want to ask you about rookies now because we know Marvin Mims is going to see plenty of time, especially early on with Judy out. Uh, who else do you like? Who else is going to see a lot of time on the rookie side? Probably Sanders. Yeah, Drew Sanders. They really like him. He's kind of he's been described as a freak athlete by Alex Singleton, and he's a guy that can play both inside linebacker or they can move outside. And he's a guy that Sean Payton is probably going to bring in at times to maybe provide an inside linebacker pass rush because Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton really aren't pass rushers. So you slip him in and maybe he gives you an inside pass rush or you slip him to the outside at times. I mean, we mentioned outside linebackers and what's going on there. You know, if Gregory gets hurt and Clark isn't the same player, I mean, he's a potential depth guy there. So they really like him and moving on to – the other guys, I don't see much of a contribution. Riley Moss missed like five weeks with a core muscle injury. So I would be surprised if he makes any kind of impact early. And J.L. Skinner, a sixth-round pick, told me the other day that he was didn't even know if he was going to make the team and he had bags already packed in his hotel room. And finally he had to ask Vance Joseph, uh, did I make the team? So uh, that's probably not a good sign that he's – at least not going to play much, a lot immediately. And he said his pectoral muscle that he tore working out before the combine is only at about 90% now, and he's still not at full strength. So he looks like a guy who's going to be inactive a lot uh, at the start of the year. So are they are they're settled, at kick, settled at kicker now with Will Lutz? Was this the plan all along? <laughs> but it feels that way. Well, let's put it this way. They better be. I mean, <laughs> musical kickers throughout the spring Elliot Fry Brett Maher who after he started at 0-2 in the first preseason game actually came on and looked pretty good booted in a real nifty 59 yarder in practice and just when you're thinking they got their guy here comes Will Lutz so uh, I would imagine he's the guy and he's Peyton's guy so he's gonna if anything happens to him he probably would have to miss a lot of kicks before Peyton left let him go but uh Marv signed with the Rams so it'll be interesting to see how how he does with them so I want to add kind of a general question for you uh, the overall talent on the Broncos are you concerned about the depth of the team like it seems like after the starters they're still trying to fill in those spots a little bit yeah I would agree with you there I mean it probably was reflected in the two preseason games they were in control against Arizona and the reserves blew the game they were in control against the uh, 49ers and the reserves blew the game and then they've had 
some injuries. Uh, you know, they've had uh, the gambling suspension on the um, front line, and Mark, Mike Purcell has been slowed and missed basically all a training camp with, I believe, a leg injury. So, yeah, you got some concerns there. And then wide receiver. I mean, that looked to be one of the strongest positions on the team. I wrote a story in uh, the early part of the summer in which Mark Jackson, the former member of the Broncos' famous Three Amigos receiving corps, was saying that uh, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton could be uh, Three Amigos Part 2. Well, uh, it might be down to one amigo on Sunday in uh, Sutton. And... um... So I wanted to, let's do predictions for sure. Let's do Broncos predictions first. So you said nine and eight. Do you think that gets them to the playoffs? No, I don't think so. I think the AFC is um, too strong. And then you have a team like Houston, which will lose like tons of games. So that'll help yeah. everybody have a better uh, record there. So um, no, I don't think nine and eight gets into the playoffs. But I think nine and eight would be. I mean, Sean Payton doesn't want to hear this, but that would be like uh, almost a moral season, you know, versus moral victory. I mean, it would be a four-game improvement, and uh, that's generally pretty good—a four-game improvement in the NFL. And, and I think people will, if they're nine and eight, they won't be happy about no playoffs, but they'll probably be happy that the games won't be as bad to watch. I mean, last year was pretty tough to watch. So I'm sure people will enjoy a little bit better and more disciplined brand of football. Yeah, and also it depends on how they they lose. I mean, if if you're nine and eight and you beat some bad teams, you get blown out by the good teams, and you're not competitive against the good teams, and you lose a couple more games to Kansas City, and that streak becomes 17 in a row, and the game and the gap between the teams is continues to be huge. They get blown out. I mean, yeah, that's going to affect things too, but uh, you know, Hey, take the chiefs into overtime and maybe you lose, you know, that uh, could be a, a moral win right there. Do you think they beat the chiefs this year? Do I think they'll beat the chiefs yeah. this year? Yeah. No, no. no. <laughs> so it'll go to 17. All right. <laughs> well, uh, I think the all time record is, 20 in a row, I believe, during the 1970s, the uh, Dolphins laid a 20-0 goose egg on the Buffalo Bills. So I think uh, that record might be in jeopardy one of these upcoming years. Yikes. So how, how, how do you see the AFC West playing out? I'm sure it's still the Chiefs division to lose, of course. But after the Chiefs, how do you see it? Well, I guess it depends on how many games the Chargers decide to kick away uh, this season, but I still think they have enough talent to accidentally win enough games and uh, probably get a wild card berth second. I picked the Broncos actually over the Raiders since I don't have a tremendous amount of confidence in Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas. They've lost some firepower as well, but that'll be a key swing game i mean if the raiders come in and beat the broncos from the get-go in denver to start the season then uh denver might have some work to do to avoid the seller well they haven't beat the raiders in six tries either so it's not it's not looking great in the afc west at times here lately right haven't been since they moved to las vegas in 2020 yep 
All right. So, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. Uh, our special section publishes on Friday in the Denver Gazette, but stories will start going up on denvergazette.com tomorrow on on Wednesday. So what are some stories you uh, you want people to check out from that section? Well, I wrote a big story on Sean Payton. I talked to some of his former players in uh, New Orleans and as well as some people with the Broncos. And the theme kind of is, what is Sean Payton? Is he kind of a disciplined old school coach or is he a modern offensive innovator? And really it's both. It's just kind of interesting that he comes from the Bill Parcells tree. I mean, that also produced Bill Belichick. You know, those guys were defensive-minded, conservative, old-school type guys. And yet, Sean Payton has been considered an offensive genius by many well before anybody had heard of Sean McVay. So I wrote about that. Wrote about um, Javante Williams, whose name, by the way, is Pookie. I yes. talked to high school coach in rural North Carolina, and he's like, hey, Back here, we just call him Pookie. There, he's little Pookie, and his dad is big Pookie. And uh, talked in that story about his Pookie's recovery from his knee injury. And then I uh, looked kind of at Russell Wilson talking about how he wants to play 20 seasons, which uh, maybe would have sounded ludicrous last year. But, hey, if he can turn things around under Sean Payton, maybe uh, we'll see him under center for the Broncos in 2031. Wow, that seems a long time. <laughs> that seems a long time away, but uh, maybe you're right. I mean, he, he definitely has to get hit less this year. I think if that has to happen. Yeah, so. let's worry about 2000. And I thought that was an interesting <laughs> comment by Russell Wilson. Let's uh, worry about 2023 before 2031. For sure, for sure. All right, you know, and also in that section, we'll have a column by Paul Klee that we'll we'll look at the schedule. Uh, I did some stuff on fantasy and betting. For everyone to check out, uh, I think the Broncos over under is eight and a half wins right there, right in the middle. So uh, that's an interesting one to look at. But yeah, our section comes out on Friday. You will read Chris Thomason's Broncos coverage every day of the week in the Denver Gazette and on DenverGazette.com. Chris, I appreciate you coming on and we will talk more after the Raiders game on Sunday. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.